Why don't this morning we turn back in our Bibles to John chapter 10. We are still working our way through the gospel, this glorious gospel of John. And even though we're actually beginning a new chapter in this gospel, it is actually closely connected to the events that took place in the previous chapter where Jesus healed a man who was born blind. I think this is probably one of those cases where the chapter divisions don't help us all that well in understanding the connections between the different events going on, especially in these Gospels. But if you remember, we just saw in chapter 9 that the man that was healed was not just healed physically when he was given his sight. He was also healed spiritually. Uh, And we notice that in verse 38 of chapter 9 when that man even says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. And of course, we know from that that he was saved. And through this entire experience, Jesus teaches that there is a difference. There was and still is a difference between the man who experienced Jesus' work in his life and those Pharisees who opposed Jesus' work in that man's life. So the difference was between a man who had been blind in his eyes, yet now he was given sight to see in not just his eyes but also his heart, But that was different than the Pharisees, who even though they said they could see, yet in fact were truly blind in their hearts. So there's a contrast there. And so at the end of chapter 9, Jesus was explaining to that now fully healed man why the Pharisees responded to Jesus the way they did. And of course, part of that was casting him out of the synagogue, remember? (laughs) They didn't like the fact that he was following after Jesus or even saying all these things about Jesus, and so they got rid of him. And this man was probably a little distraught, thinking his whole life he couldn't see, couldn't go to the temple, he couldn't go to the synagogue, he couldn't worship God the way he'd heard about his whole life, and now he had that opportunity, and yet they cast him out. And so ultimately, the reason why they treated him the way they did was because of the callousness and hardness of their hearts, ultimately because of their sin. But now, as we start here in chapter 10, Jesus is not talking just to the man born blind. He's talking to the Pharisees themselves. Jesus explains to them why the man born blind responded to Jesus the way he did. And why was that? Why would this man come to faith in Christ? You know, we see the progression of that faith from just seeing him as a man to now his own Savior. It was ultimately because of the change that was made in his heart by the grace of God. Uh, A gracious act that began physically and ended up spiritually changing this man into a follower of Jesus Christ. And of course, that change can only take place in the life of one of his sheep. And so we enter into a new illustration, a new story that Jesus gives us here starting in chapter 10, verse 1. This is a special illustration to impress this truth upon all of our hearts. The truth that Jesus Christ alone is the shepherd of the sheep. And his sheep will follow him. His true sheep will follow the true shepherd. I'd like us to begin by reading these verses together. So remembering the scene that we just left here in chapter 9, we come now, the same scene here in chapter 10. Jesus says to those Pharisees, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they, those Pharisees, understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Now, even though Jesus is going to expand on this illustration as we move forward in John chapter 10, he begins by using a phrase that should be, by now, familiar to us in the Gospel of John. In fact, this is the 15th time out of 25 times total that Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you. And of course, that double phrase, verily, verily, is only found in the Gospel of John. But as we pointed out each time before, Jesus uses this special phrase to introduce us to a special truth. And this time, it's to the Pharisees who were not believing in him and who were not following him. But the truth that he's going to present is a truth that is absolutely 100% certain. Verily, verily. And of course, that comes from amen, amen. Truly, truly. Certainly, certainly. Listen to what I have to say. This is a truth you can bank on. You might put money in a bank out in California and lose that money. But when you put your money on the bank of Christ and his truth, you will not lose anything. This is 100% true. It's a changeless truth. He says, this is a word that I'm saying to you. Truth is not relative. It is absolute truth that is timeless. But then he adds, I am saying this to you. This is a truth that is consequential to the listeners. It is absolutely vital to listen to what Jesus says and to learn from what Jesus says. And as we just read, the Pharisees did not. But regardless, he gives them this truth. And Jesus reveals this truth directly to the Pharisees who had just asked him back in verse 40, Are we blind also? And of course, they understood that Jesus was talking to them and talking about them and and referring back to them. They said, are we really blind also? And in effect, throughout John chapter 10, Jesus now tells them that not only are you blind to the truth, you're actually deaf to the truth as well. Because you are not one of my sheep, Jesus says. And that is one of the main differences between the Pharisees and that man born blind. That man was one of his sheep, but they were not. And so starting there in verse 1, Jesus describes that there's a contrast between the shepherd and a thief in this story, in this illustration, this parable, if you will. There's a contrast between the shepherd and a thief. Again, verses 1 and 2, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is a truth that you can be certain about. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, if you remember from verse 6 that we just read, John says that this is a parable. Uh, It's not the same word from which we get the word parable in other places in Scripture. It it could also be translated a figure of speech, as it is in some other translations, or just an object lesson. I think we all like object lessons. We all like to learn by seeing. And, of course, Jesus is painting a picture for the Pharisees and really anybody else who's around there listening, including that that formerly blind man, to really get an understanding of what's going on here. What, 
what is something that took place in his heart that's not taking place in their heart. And so this means that parts of his story, Jesus' story here, will carry a deeper spiritual meaning than what's on the surface. And of course, this is a story that anybody could gravitate to and learn something from, but there's more to it than meets the eye. But also as a figure of speech, not every part of the story necessarily has the same kind of deep meaning. Uh, sometimes there might be a detail that's given that's just supporting the story or just kind of moving things along forward uh, without any further significance or symbolism. But as we go through the, this chapter, there are some significant details that have some deeper meaning. And that includes the door that we read about, because uh, later on we're going to see that Jesus says, I am the door. Uh, we have the sheepfold, right? Uh, we're going to see what that means here. There's the thief, who is also a robber. There's some meaning there. Uh, and of course, the shepherd. Jesus says he is the good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. And of course, there is the sheep as a whole. So all of these are explained further by Jesus in the rest of the chapter, but this here is the illustration that begins it all. And each of these parts would have also been very familiar to the audience that Jesus was speaking to. Now, this audience, even though these Pharisees may not have been shepherds, you know, they were sort of the students, they were the, the scholars of the day, if you will, they still knew a lot about sheep, and they used sheep in a lot of different ways. Sheep were very prominent there in Israel, even as they are today, for, uh, for clothing, uh, for food, but most importantly for worship and for sacrifices to God there at the temple. And so they would have been familiar also with public sheepfolds. Now, there would have been smaller uh, sheepfolds out in the villages and out in the countryside where you know maybe a family would farm and have their own little uh, flock of sheep. And, and sometimes those sheepfolds would be around their house, fairly small. But when you're coming to a metropolis like Jerusalem, where just about every from Israel and and, and from other places in the world need some animals in order to sacrifice to the Lord, they would need a lot of sheep. They would need a lot of animals. And so out on the countryside, there would be large pens that were made with rocks and stones, uh, just kind of built up and probably topped off with thorns and briars to keep animals out and thieves out to attack and destroy these other sheep. And, and of course, this would have been a familiar sight. Even as Jesus and his disciples were walking to Jerusalem, they probably you know, heard the bleeding of the sheep and probably saw these pens themselves. So the Pharisees knew about this. And so with this idea, with this picture, with this illustration in mind, Jesus then tells the Pharisees about the difference in coming between the shepherd to that fold and a thief. The shepherd, according to verse 2, would naturally enter by the door of that sheepfold, right? Just like you would enter into your house, not by the window, uh, not through the chimney, but through the door, because it's your home. It's where you belong. And so the shepherd says, I'm going to go to this door because that's the right way. It's the normal way. It's how I'm going to get to my sheep. You see, that door was planned by the shepherds to be the way of approach for all shepherds to provide for the needs of their sheep. Just one door in that entire pen. However, we just read in verse 1, the thief was entering not by the door. Why? Because he's a thief. He doesn't want to be caught. He doesn't want to be found out. In fact, Jesus says he's climbing up some other way. So as far from this gate and as far as the, from the porter as possible, he doesn't want to be seen. He is a thief. Uh, later on in chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus actually gives them the reason why. The thief is coming not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. He has no concern or care at all for these animals. 
And so the scene that Jesus is presenting to us and to them here today is really a lively scene. It's something that would have been familiar to the people there. It probably went on all the time. You know, they did have the shepherds, and they did have the thieves, and they did have that pen for those animals. It's as if the thief is already in the process of climbing over that wall to just get as many sheep as he possibly can, not caring if he kills any in the process. And that is why Jesus further tells us about the difference in character between the shepherd and this thief. Of course, the shepherd wants the best for his, his sheep, right? He, he wants what's best because they actually belong to him. And so somehow the shepherd hears about this thief or, or maybe knows that something is going to happen to the, the flocks there in that sheepfold. And so he goes to get his flock out of danger. But that thief, that thief cares absolutely nothing for the sheep but only for himself, just out for what he can get it for himself. So he does not even consider that these sheep are really living creatures, living animals, given life by God himself, who would experience anxiety and fear and pain. One of our favorite places as a family now to have gone, uh, one of the places we visited a few years ago was Scotland. <laughs> I know my, life, my wife loves it, and, and I've loved it ever since the first time I went there on a missionary apprenticeship trip when I was in uh, college. And uh, I love just walking, uh, hiking, taking hikes out there in the countryside of Scotland and, and seeing all the sheep everywhere. There's a lot of sheep in Scotland. Uh, but one of the times I was there, the, the missionary I was with, he said, you know, there's a law that says that you're not to worry the sheep. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way of putting it, because sheep can easily get worried and anxious about different things. And so I did my best as I was walking along these, uh, these fields and along some of those same rock walls, not to worry or bother the sheep, but I did enjoy seeing them for sure. But this thief doesn't care about worrying the sheep. This thief doesn't care about the anxieties of the sheep, because this thief in reality is just a thug, so Jesus describes him as both here a thief and a robber. A thief and a robber. The difference is a thief would steal in secret, not wanting to be known or seen. But a robber is someone who would do so openly and violently. So maybe this thief starts out secretly, but maybe the porter who is on the other side of the pen sees this thief crawling over, and the thief says, okay, I better get going because I'm going to get caught here. And he starts throwing the sheep out if, he's, if possible. Violently, he doesn't care at this point. That's the kind of character that this thief has. And so the contrast between the shepherd and the thief in Jesus' story is great. It's a contrast between night and day. And the point is that only the shepherd belongs there in the sheepfold. And only the shepherd really does care for the sheep in that sheepfold. And as Jesus will go on to explain, not only is he that shepherd in the story, he is also the door through which his sheep might find safety and refuge from all their enemies. Jesus is that shepherd and that door. And so the sheepfold really describes a place where many shepherds would have kept their flocks back in that day. Most likely it refers to the nation of Israel, uh, because if you go down to verse 16 of the same chapter, Jesus says, Other sheep have I. And of course, one of his sheep are those who actually believe in Christ and follow after Christ. He says, other sheep have I, which are not of this fold. So if there's sheep that are not of this fold, this particular fold is the children of Israel, the ones that had been chosen by God to just pour out his blessing, to pour out his grace, to pour out his mercy upon. But how many of them actually were his sheep? 
How many were actually followers of the one true shepherd? You see, as we've seen already throughout the Gospel of John, not all of the children of Israel were in fact children of God. Though they might have been part of one national fold, they were not part of Jesus' flock. And as the shepherd, the true shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus was really the only one who had the right to go, the right to save, and the right to lead God's true children and flock out of the place of danger and deception and distress. Because that is what the land of Israel had become to his true sheep. I mean, we have an illustration of that in chapter 9 where the Pharisees, who were the leaders of God's chosen people, were actually trying to keep God's people, his sheep, out of his flock, out of his sheep pen, because of what they did and said to that man born blind. You see, as the door, Jesus actually came to them through a message of grace and truth. Remember, this is something that we connect all the way back to John chapter 1, where he says Jesus actually came full of grace and truth. That was the message of the gospel. That's the message of Christ coming into this world, dying on the cross for our sin, being buried and raised again three days later, ascending back into heaven. It's full of grace and truth. It's not what we deserve. It's not what we've earned. It's something that he just has bestowed out on us and poured out to us out of nothing but his grace. And yet what were the Pharisees focused on? Not grace and truth, but on law and lies. They were the thieves in this story. They were the ones that were trying to climb over to, to get God's sheep into their own hands to do with whatever they could and whatever they wanted to for their own benefit. They were the ones who used other means to get to God's people, not to serve them, but to consume them, again, much like those Pharisees did. And that's why as we continue down this story, we need to remember the great contrast between the, the true shepherd of God's flock and everyone else who does not approach us through the door of Christ, the door of his gospel, the door of grace and truth. And since Jesus came to us as the true shepherd of his sheep, he didn't come some other way. What should we as his sheep do? We should follow him. Follow him especially when we learn more about the care of the shepherd for his sheep. And that's certainly what we find there in verses 3 and 4, the care of the shepherd for his sheep. And of course, keep Jesus in mind as we go through this illustration now. Now, the Pharisees didn't know he was talking about himself yet, but we do. So keep this in the lens of looking at it through Christ. So again, verse 3, the care of the shepherd for his sheep. To him, to Jesus, to that shepherd, the porter opens. The doorkeeper, the gatekeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice. And he, that shepherd, calls his own sheep. How? By name. And leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. What care and concern we find here in these verses by this shepherd for his sheep. Because even as that thief is climbing up some other way, we see that this shepherd is already coming for his sheep. In fact, there in verse 3, to him the porter openeth. So here is the shepherd coming right up to the gate, right up to the porter, the gatekeeper, so that he might go and get his sheep out of that pen, a pen that is now full of danger. There's a thief in there, and he doesn't want his own to be captured by that thief. Now, even though the shepherd had been absent from his sheep for a while, it doesn't mean that he didn't care for them. 
And maybe this is one of the things that the people of Israel thought. God must not care for us because we've been waiting for this Messiah for generation after generation after generation. We've seen prophecies after prophecies and promises after promises all through the Old Testament. Did he really care? And of course, Jesus says, oh, he absolutely did. Because he left them in the care of a porter or a gatekeeper who would know both the shepherd and the sheep. And this porter would open the door to bring them both together. Now, of course, so far, just like sheep, they did not know anything about what was going on with a thief coming after them. And isn't that our own case? Sometimes we don't sense the danger until it's right up upon us. And maybe there's some bleating going on by some other sheep from other flocks, you know, back in the corners where the thief is. And the ones that are in the kind of middle, like, what's going on? Where's the sound coming from? Why are they starting to run? They don't know. But the shepherd does. And when the porter opens that door, help has arrived for that flock through the shepherd himself. This porter may represent the ministry even of the Holy Spirit, who, as one writer says, opens the everlasting doors of the hearts of men and lets him in unto them. You see, God did not leave his people, his true people, his true flock, without a witness without care and concern, without compassion. God, the Holy Spirit, was active in the Old Testament, maybe a little differently as he is here in the New Testament times, but he was still active. He still pursued after the sheep that really belonged to God. And so when the porter finally opens the door, that help has arrived. And truth is, if Jesus cared enough to come for you, and if Jesus cares enough to keep coming for you, even when you are, have gone astray like those sheep, Shouldn't you follow your shepherd with all of your heart, as we're going to see later on here in this illustration? Jesus was coming for his sheep. But then we can also see from verse 3 the shepherd's calming of his sheep. The shepherd's calming of his sheep because we're told there that the sheep are hearing his voice. The sheep are hearing his voice. Now, so far, his voice is not directed to the sheep. That comes here in just a little bit. But perhaps he was talking to the porter. Hey, let me in. Maybe he might have been talking about to the other shepherds that were around, or maybe to some others. But when these sheep heard their shepherd's voice, they recognized it. They heard it and would have experienced a peace that passes all understanding. You know, we're like those sheep sometimes. When we're going through a time of stress or difficulty or challenge, sometimes you just need to hear the voice of the one you love. Because it's a calming voice. That's that has the effect. And so here we have just the voice of the shepherd. We don't know who he was talking to here, but just hearing it, those sheep are like, hey, our help is here. We know that there's somebody here that loves us and cares for us. This is what happens when you are given the ears that you need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It gives you a calming in your soul. Think back to the very first time you did hear the gospel, and God touched your heart with the gospel and brought you to himself through that gospel. What did it do to you? Hearing the, the, the gospel of grace and forgiveness and peace would give you a calming in your heart that the world never offered and the world could still never give. In fact, as John Gill writes, this voice is a voice of love 
grace and mercy, which proclaims peace, pardon, liberty, life, righteousness, and salvation, and which is a soul-quickening, alluring, delighting, refreshing, and comforting voice. That's the voice of our shepherd, isn't it? That's the voice of Jesus. That's the voice that calms our sorrows, soothes our souls when we're going through those difficulties like these sheep were. If Jesus cared enough for you and cares enough to calm you with his voice, won't you follow him as your shepherd today? You see, so often we're distracted by other sounds, other voices, other bleatings of other sheep, and yet remember the voice of Christ here. Remember all that he does in his voice, the power of that voice, the peace that that voice brings, and follow him. Then if you look at verse 3 again, we can also see the shepherd's calling to his sheep. What does he now do? With that same voice that the sheep heard something about, now he calls his own sheep by name. Even today in some parts of the Middle East, shepherds can call their sheep by a signal. You know, maybe every sheep has a certain signal or a certain kind of whistle. Or even by individual names. And the sheep will just come one by one by one. It's not what we see here in the Western culture. Most of the sheep are driven from behind. But here we have the shepherd in front of the sheep calling them individually one by one. And from this verse we see that this shepherd calls out with persistence. He keeps on calling his sheep so that not a single one is lost. He doesn't say as a general call, come on. And then leaves and some of them might be out there still in the pen in danger because of the thief. No, he calls them one by one until they're all by his side so he can safely bring them out of the danger of that pen. He's persistent in his call. He will keep on calling his sheep until the very last one is safely gathered to him. And of course he calls out with purpose. Two times in this illustration, in verse 3 and in verse 4, it says that Jesus is calling out for his own sheep. The shepherd is calling out for his own sheep. This indicates that there were likely other sheep in this fold, other sheep in this pen who belonged to other shepherds or maybe had no shepherd at all. But what happened to their shepherd? Where were their shepherds? Did those shepherds care for them like this shepherd cared for his sheep? Did their shepherd come to them when they heard that they were in danger like this shepherd did for his sheep? Did their shepherd call out to them or did they just abandon them to the whims of the thieves and robbers of this world? This shepherd actually did care. This shepherd actually did come. And then he called out to them with power. In fact, just the sound of his voice is what he used to bring each one of his sheep to his side. And isn't that a beautiful picture of the gospel call to us? There is power in the voice of God. There's power in the word of God. It is a soul-quickening power, just like John Gill said. It is something that actually quickens our ears so that we will hear and then come. That is grace. And that is the gospel. This is what Jesus does for all of his sheep. Again, he calleth his own sheep by name. He knows them and has known them from the very beginning, before the foundations of this world. Now, what God had said about Israel in Isaiah 40, verse 31, he says to you even today, 
But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee. Has God created us? Oh, just like he created the sheep. He created you, he created me. He that formed thee. Did he form you? Absolutely. In fact, he, he formed us in our mother's womb, and he did so in a fearful and wonderful way. And he says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, and I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. So in four ways, someone who believes in Jesus and follows after Jesus belongs to Jesus. He created you. He formed you. He redeemed you by the blood of his own cross, and he called you by his or by your name. And if Jesus cared enough to do that to you, to call you out that way, why don't we follow him with all our heart? He is our shepherd. But then we can also see from verse 3 that the shepherd is conducting his sheep. He doesn't just call us to his side. Now he leads us and conducts us to safety. Verse 3, he leadeth them out. But where is he leading them? Where does he in this story lead the sheep out? Surprisingly, it's out of the fold. Out of the place that they felt most safe and most comfortable. It's what they knew most. They thought it was safe. They thought it was comfortable. But now he leads them out of that fold to the only place, the only real place, the only real safe place for the sheep to be in this world. And that was where? With their shepherd. It doesn't matter where the shepherd takes them because they're with the shepherd and that is safety and peace and comfort for the sheep. And Jesus knows that for us as well. You see, the sheepfold had become a place of danger and deception and distress for the true sheep of God. And certainly that was the case for that man born blind. The sheepfold of Israel had become a very distressing place for the true sheep of God. But the side of the shepherd, the side of Jesus, was a place of love and joy and peace. And so once the shepherd gets all of his sheep out of the fold, how does he lead them? How does he conduct them? Look at verse 4. When he putteth forth his own sheep. And there's kind of a, a picture of compulsion in this verse. The sheep kind of come, and maybe the sheep are like, well, wait a second, I'm not sure I want to go out of the fold. I mean, it's kind of scary out there in the world. It's kind of scary out there outside of those walls. And, and so it's kind of like he has to kind of pull them out a little bit. But when he does put forth his own sheep, what does he do then? They think they're outside of safety. But Jesus knows that they are actually truly safe. And now he actually goes before them. He leads them and goes before them. Now, of course, as I mentioned, that is different than how sheep are herded in Western countries. They're driven. And sometimes they use that anxiety of the sheep to that end. Uh, they'll even use sheep dogs to herd those sheep, to, to get them where they want to go. But that's not how Jesus leads us, who are his sheep. He doesn't drive us like the Pharisees were trying to do with, with the law. He leads us with his love. And he draws us with those arms of everlasting love. And he says, follow me. Follow me. Because I am the good shepherd. And I really do care for the ones that I call. You see, this is how Jesus leads and conducts his sheep. Not by driving them from the rear, 
but guiding them from the front. That means that nothing will meet his sheep without meeting him first. Isn't that a wonderful thought? If you're driving the sheep from behind, you don't know necessarily what's going on in front. But if you're going in front of them, you know everything that they will face. And it hits you first before it hits them. All that we find in the shepherd psalm, in Psalm 23, that we sang just before the message, is true of this shepherd. Is true of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, believers can say. I shall not want anything. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Oh, we're, we may be out of the safety of the fold, but it really wasn't that safe to begin with. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest, most dangerous place to be for a sheep, it's actually the safest place, because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you ladies might remember going through that psalm in your own Bible study a few years ago and being able to picture in your own mind what it must have been like for those sheep and really what it is like for us as the sheep of God's pasture. So if Jesus cared enough to come for you and to calm you and to call you out through his own word and his own voice and then to conduct you into safety by his own side, what should we do as his sheep? We should listen to his voice through his word day in, day out, and respond to his voice through obedience to his word and follow him. Follow Jesus. There's a lot of other voices out there that are trying to distract us and get us away from following the one who has done all of these things already for us. Follow him. But the most comforting fact about this is that you will follow him if you are, in fact, one of his true sheep. And that's what we come to in the rest of verse 4 into verse 5, and that is the confidence in the shepherd by his true sheep. The confidence in the shepherd by his sheep. Jesus continues on with this illustration and says, And the sheep follow him. They follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. Here Jesus reminds the Pharisees even that the sheep will follow their shepherd. Now, this was probably such a commonplace truth that it seemed unnecessary for him to even say it. They'd be like, duh, of course, the sheep are going to follow their own shepherd. And why are you telling us this, Jesus? But through this illustration, Jesus explains why and how the man born blind came to see and believe in Jesus. It was because he was one of Jesus' sheep. That's why. That was the difference between the Pharisees and that man. They were not sheep of God's true pasture, but this man was. 
And so he followed Jesus. This man followed Jesus by turning to Jesus. And, of course, in John 9, it, it was kind of a slow turn, it seems like, right? As Jesus is working in his heart, God is working in his heart to convince him who Jesus really is. But he eventually turns to Jesus, and now he is tuning into the voice of Jesus. Now, we don't really have these kinds of radios in our cars anymore. Now they're just kind of digital where you just hit a button and it goes right there. But remember those ones that had the dial? And to get to just the right station that you were wanting to go to, you had to, you know, had to fine-tune it. And then as you're going down the road, the signal might go a little stronger or a little weaker. And, and if it's going a little weaker, maybe you can fine-tune a little bit more. And that's what, was, what God was doing in this man's heart. He was bringing him to a fine-tuning of his own ears to hear the voice of his own shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, verse 4, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So he turned to Jesus and he, turned, he tuned into Jesus because he was one of his sheep. And now it didn't matter where Jesus, as the shepherd of that man's soul, would lead him. Even if it was out of the fold that he had grown up in and knew so well, even if it was into the field of this world that seemed so strange and foreign and dangerous to him, he would follow Jesus because he trusted him. He trusted him. And so can we. We can trust our shepherd. Wherever he takes us, wherever he leads us, whatever we face as we're following him, we just trust him and we turn to him. We need to turn to him just like this man did. Sometimes our turn is about as slow or maybe even slower than this man's. Sheep aren't known to be the smartest of animals. And all we like sheep have gone astray. And sometimes we still turn every man to his own way. And sometimes that turning process can be painful for us. But we will turn in the end. And we need to turn. And keep tuning into him. You see, the voice that Jesus uses to speak to us through this word, through this book, is the same voice that he called to you with in the first place. It is full of grace and truth. And as you listen to him, follow him, tune into him. But then, if you look at verse 5, Jesus adds that the sheep will also flee from strangers. They, were, they will follow the shepherd, but they will flee from strangers. Again, a commonplace truth probably for them but one that should encourage all of God's flock. Because verse 5, a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for or because they know not. They have not known the voice of strangers. What this shows us is that there is absolute safety, absolute security when you are a member of Jesus' flock. Because you will not follow the thief, the stranger, the robber. Because all of Jesus' sheep, who are truly part of his fold, will ultimately turn from and tune out the voice of the stranger. Now sometimes there's a process involved in that too, I think. As we go through this world and we hear a lot of those voices, but this is the perseverance that God provides for his people, his true sheep, his true flock. You see, there are times when we hear sounds and voices that just try to distract us from 
following after Christ, right? Oh, all kinds of voices. Maybe not audible voices, but certainly pulls from the world that we've been looking at on Sunday nights that appeal to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, our affections, our ambitions, and all of those things. We get so distracted in our following after Christ, don't we? But there's security when you're one of his sheep. Because in the end, you will not follow. You will flee from the voices of those strangers. Again, those voices will also try to discourage you in your following after Christ. Earlier this week, I told my wife, I'm not sure what it was, but I was facing some discouragement to the point where I just had to get out of the house. I'm not sure what it was, what caused it. As I was driving around, I kept praying to myself and to the Lord, why art thou cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. And so as I'm driving through there, I started counting my blessings and tried to name them one by one. And it really shouldn't surprise us what the Lord has done, as the song sometimes could be tweaked to say, right? But those voices will try to discourage you. But here's that encouragement. My sheep will hear my voice and follow me. But also these voices will try to derail you. Of course, we've heard about that train derailment there in Ohio, and, and I was kind of surprised to hear that that is just one of maybe a couple hundred derailments that take place in America in any given year. <laughs> there was one not too far from our house in Fountaintown uh, a year or so ago. But that's what this world, our flesh, and the devil tries to do to us, to derail us as we're trying to follow the Lord. Ultimately, though, they cannot prevail. Ultimately, though, these voices will not prevail because as we're told in Isaiah 40, verse 11, he, the Lord, shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Once you are in the arms of your shepherd, he will not let you go. So it's not just so much him leading us, he's carrying us. My sheep will hear my voice and follow me. They will not follow the stranger. They will flee from the stranger because they do not know his voice. And so if you've heard the call of Jesus as your shepherd to believe in him, then be confident in him. Confidence in Christ will lead to courage as a Christian. Confidence in Christ will lead to courage in our life as we follow Christ because we don't have to fear anything outside of that fold because we're by the side of Jesus and he is by our side. Trust him. Keep turning to him. When we're distracted by those sounds and those voices, get back to his voice and listen to it. Tune into it more as you follow him. And yet, what does John then tell us happened? That's the illustration. That's the parable. Well, right after, he gives it. There, verse 6. It says, but they, and of course, it's referring again to the Pharisees to whom he was speaking that we saw there in chapter 9, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. And I think John records this response because it proves the very point Jesus was making with his story. They didn't hear his voice. 
They didn't understand his words because they weren't members of his flock. I mean, they, they heard him with their ears, but didn't sink down into their hearts. They were not the sheep of God's pasture, as it says in Psalm 100, verse 3. In other words, they were as spiritually deaf to the words of Jesus as they were spiritually blind to his works. And that's what we see. That's one of the, 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 the connections between chapter 9 and chapter 10. Chapter 9 is dealing with what they see, and chapter 10 is dealing with what they hear, and yet all how they needed to hear and understand Jesus' words. Remember, Jesus says, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I am saying unto you, this is the most certain, consequential truth that you will ever hear, Pharisee. You need to listen to what I have to say. And yet they did not. And they would not. Because they could not. They were not his sheep. But you know, if you have been given ears to hear this truth, even like that man born blind, what are you today doing with this truth? What are you doing today with this illustration? Remember, this is why Jesus came to you through the door of the gospel. It's so that you would follow him with all of your heart and soul. This is why Jesus calmed you as the Holy Spirit brought light into your life and real life into your life. The abundant life, the spiritual life. It was so that you would follow your shepherd. This is why Jesus called out to you with his own strong, clear voice. Not just a general call, but a specific call. Calling his own sheep by, by name. Calling out you and me. It's so that you would follow him and care for him and love him as he loved you. This is why Jesus is now, even in life today, conducting and guiding you through the wilderness of this world. Again, it's not the sheep pen that's the safest place to be. It's wherever God has placed you is the safest place to be, as long as you are by the side of your shepherd. Again, verse 4, He goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. He goes before you so that you might follow him. So are you following Jesus the way these sheep follow their shepherd? Fully. Completely. With all of your heart. Without reservation. Or is there something holding you back? Is there something that is back in that old fold that, that seems so familiar that's just keeping you from following after Jesus with all of your heart and soul. Is there a strange voice distracting you today? A voice of the world? The voice of your own flesh? The voice of sin? Are there sins deterring you from following after Christ? Are there struggles that just discourage you so that you are not following him the way you could and should? What does Jesus say? The sheep follow him. The sheep follow their shepherd. So follow Jesus as your shepherd today with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, I thank you again for this illustration that we know there's a lot more to because we're going to get into it here in chapter 10. But Lord, to just remember 
this object lesson that you put forth, not just for the man that you healed, both physically and spiritually, but even to those Pharisees who needed this truth that you were about to present to them. They needed to hear in common, ordinary illustrations the difference between them and that man. And Father, I pray that you'll help us now to recognize that difference of ourselves. And so when we just are floored by the grace that is seen in Jesus coming to us as our shepherd and doing all of these things, coming to us even when the danger was most severe, he came unto this world. And then, of course, as that gospel was given to us and the the Holy Spirit opened that door so that the true sheep could be connected to their shepherd. Oh, there was a calming to our souls. He calms us. He calls us. He conducts us, again, not by anything that we've deserved, but certainly by only His grace. Oh, Father, help us to follow. Help us to follow our shepherd. Help us to see what it is that's causing us to not want to follow Him or to... Not follow him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Oh Lord, I pray that you'll open our eyes to see what those distractions are, what those deceptions are, what those deterrents are, even those discouragements, so that Lord, we can go to you for that help. We can go for you, go to you for that hope. Help us, Lord, to follow you today. And Lord, no matter where that pathway might lead us, this day and this week. Wherever we go, help us to know that you are there before us and with us. In fact, you hedge us about wherever we go because you are that kind of omnipotent, omniscient shepherd. So, Father, I pray that even today, we will hear your voice today and follow you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.